0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Jim, whatever I do, I do it to protect you. So you understand?
1: I understand.
0: Alright everybody, that was the trailer for Star Wars Rogue One or Rogue One Star Wars, uh, Rogue One a Star Wars Story, whatever you want to call it. It is Star Wars, people. It is a time to feel fantastic. It is a time to be excited. It is a time to nerd out and feel okay doing so. With that said, the story for Rogue One A Star Wars Story is is as follows. In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together on a mission to steal the plans to the Death Star, the Empire's ultimate weapon of destruction. This key event in the Star Wars timeline brings together ordinary people who choose to do extraordinary things, and in doing so, become part of something greater than themselves. The story... uh, Excuse me. Three, two... One. The cast includes Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Ben Mendelsohn, Donnie Yen, Mads Mikkelsen, Alan Tudyk, Riz Ahmed, Jiang Wen, and Forrest Whitaker. The director is Gareth Edwards, and it is written by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy. Joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And Kristen and I, uh, we're going to just share a little disclaimer with everybody. Uh, Kristen and I have reviewed this film before, and this is actually our take two, as it were, as we actually (laughs) had a recording that went amok uh, previously. But we want to get this out there for you guys. We know you're desperate to hear our thoughts on the film. So with that said, Kristen, tell everybody how you felt about Rogue One, A Star Wars Story.
1: Well, I guess I'll preface this with my own kind of background with the star wars franchise um as of last year i could have gone through life without ever having seen a star wars movie i didn't see the original trilogy till last year actually about two months before force awakens came out um and i wouldn't have had any interest in force awakens if certain casting decisions didn't kind of require me to go um so i I watched the original trilogy and i liked it just fine I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to be a die in the wool Star Wars fan. Force Awakens, I thought, was enjoyable. Uh, it was a good standalone movie. It's, yeah, kind of a rehash of A New Hope, but it worked for me. I had no similar sentiments about Rogue One. I found the first hour of this to be boring, second hour to be insufferably stupid. The first hour is essentially exposition- I guess, I, I don't know how much you could say Gareth Edwards controlled it, whether, you know, the first half versus the second half, but the first half is all set up with uh, Jin trying to hook up with, uh, or meet up with this freedom fighter that raised her as a child. Once we meet him about the hour mark, he effectively is dispatched from the narrative, and the movie effectively starts over again and goes into an entirely different direction. And, uh, you know, it just leaves the first hour feeling pointless. Uh, the second hour has this these characters coming up with this plan to steal the Death Star plans. But there's no camaraderie between this ragtag team. There's no personalities to any of these characters. So when the stakes are high, you could care less about what's happening. And decisions are made that are just written poorly. Everybody's let down by weak characterization. A strong female heroine in the last film is essentially undermined by a regressive return to Daddy Issues, the movie. I did not like anything. This movie is nice to look at. It's weird as hell looking at some of the CGI that they're utilizing. And that's about it. That's kind of the, the most complimentary thing I can say.
0: Well, all right then. I guess I will echo some of that and say that I, myself, um, was a Star Wars fan at a very young age. My father uh, owned the original VHS um, trilogy box set, although something tells me it was, yeah, it was was pre-before George Lucas kind of meddled with the films. So I got to appreciate Star Wars, like, the way we were supposed to appreciate it, which was awesome. So I grew up as a fan, not a big fan, but I enjoyed the movies. Prequels, Not so much. Even at a young age when those films came out, I, I knew they weren't that great. And then Force Awakens comes out. I'm very excited. I'm actually so excited to the point where I'm scared that it isn't going to meet my expectations. And it did meet my expectations. Force Awakens is awesome. Awesome movie. Now here we come with Rogue One. And Rogue One, although it does answer a very glaring plot hole in regards to the construction of the Death Star and attempts to tell a very interesting story it turns out to be uninteresting and also inconsequential due to the nature in which how this film actually ends so when it's all over said and done with you're left wondering to yourself what was the point of this movie um it's not perfect It's definitely got a tremendous amount of flaws. However. The final 20 minutes of this movie in my opinion. Is exhilarating. It's fun. It's where we as Star Wars fans. Get to really appreciate also the nostalgic elements of this film. There's a scene involving uh, Darth Vader. Yes he is in the movie. That is quite amazing. and, And possibly the best Darth Vader scene of all time. But. I agree with you in the sense of, like, these characters here and the total lack of characterization. Um, There is a lack of camaraderie. Um, They just feel like a band of misfits that ultimately get thrown together for this mission in that second half of the film. And I don't feel like they care about each other. I feel like they don't know anything about each other just as much as we don't know anything about them. And as a result, when this film's conclusion does come, I don't care. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's, that's essentially... The movie has no justification for its existence other than a cash grab. And there are probably interesting prequel storylines that we could touch upon. You know, I, I think a young Princess Leia story and, and her origins... We already know where, how Darth Vader comes to be. I want to see, you know, where Leia was during all this time. That would be interesting.
0: Sure, and there's a moment where we see Jimmy Smith's character in the film at one point and you know we almost get this feeling that maybe we're going to touch upon Leia a little bit in this film but uh it well suffice to say it is touched upon but in the smallest possible way imaginable
1: the gratuitous cameo route essentially right but for me there's when you have a heist film which is what this is being referred to as <laughs>
0: I would actually say it's a war film more so than a heist film.
1: Most people have called it a war film. Other people have called it a heist film. But regardless, even with a war film, you need to have a group of characters that you care about. So that when the stakes are high and the chips are down, you you have a reason for wanting them to succeed. Each of the characters in this movie are one note. To the point where Riz Ahmed's character says his occupation... That's all his dialogue, effectively, it's just him reminding everybody, I'm the pilot, I'm the pilot that defected, I'm the pilot. There's never any moments of, let's take a character to the side and have a discussion, let's try to find some common ground, let's have a conversation about anything. I think of, and it's a movie that I don't like, but I think of Fury, bunch of people in a tank talking about nothing you know but because they realize that they're gonna live and die together like that's what you need in a movie like this Mm -hmm. none of these characters talk to each other none of them interact they're doing a job they're all mercenaries even though we're supposed to care about them as friends as a team the original cast of characters from the original trilogy these guys are not i don't even think they would diego luna would have given Felicity Jones, the the coat off his back, let alone a fork across the table. I mean, there's no connection between any of these characters, and that's uh, fatal to a movie where the end is a foregone conclusion for the audience. You know where this is going to go. So to transcend that, you need compelling characters and a well written story, and this has neither.
0: Oh yeah, it's a killer when you know Diego Luna and Felicity Jones are having like this. On screen chemistry or lack thereof And the, the film is trying to do something With the two of them And it's glaringly obvious It's
1: a very start stop There's yeah. It's not a will they won't they It's a do you think they should I don't know who says it's okay Well we gotta talk to that guy I, you, Like you can see the memos I think Going between Lucasfilm and Disney Being like well they gotta hook up No we we said we weren't gonna force You know romance It's very business
0: like <laughs> And that's also a problem I have with this film as well. You know, when you talk about uh, memos being passed around, you can tell that this film has been edited to death. Um, the first twenty minutes alone are so confusing as we jump from location to location. And I'm not even sure if the largest Star Wars fans in the in this world uh, understand all of these locations and where they are in relation to each other and what their significance is. But I know for me in the first couple minutes of this film, it took me so long to actually get invested in the actual plot because the film just kind of gets going there's no opening crawl in the beginning to kind of set the stage and you just are kind of thrown right in and I just found myself being very confused uh, by that and then like you said we have this first hour which absolutely means nothing once uh, the scenes with Forrest Whitaker are pretty much over and then the second half of the film is where the actual plot of the movie is and it's what I'm sure Gareth Edwards really wanted to make as a film and it's like well, I gotta I gotta deliver a two hour movie, so uh, uh, yeah, here's this first hour, and then the second hour, this is what I really want to show you guys, and that's how it came off to me for the most part, and even so, I feel like there's a good chunk, I'm talking like a half hour, forty five minutes, of character backgrounds exposition. St- something to just make us care more about their circumstance, their relationships with one another. It's got to exist somewhere.
1: I said when we probably it's with the original trilogy of films that are unedited. I don't know. Uh, I but I said I said when we recorded this initially, you can see the stitching of them stitching this together because, and it's a problem that I think we should have seen with Gareth Edwards' other film, Godzilla.
0: Which, another uh, film which has an awesome segment in the segment dealing with Brian Cranston. And once that's over, the whole movie fails.
1: The whole movie effectively starts over with another cast member. I mean, it's the exact same problem. And yet Kathleen Kennedy felt that he was accomplished enough to helm this franchise. But a woman can't. Go figure. And yeah. and that was my problem is that we have, we're introduced to Jin. Her parents are... Her mother is summarily executed in the first five minutes because Disney mom, so it's kind of a requirement. And her dad is kidnapped, so the movie becomes this weird... So I assume the movie was going to become this weird hodgepodge of, like, the great mouse detective meets the man from Uncle. And <laughs> then she's be- talks about being raised by Forrest Whitaker. Everybody talks about what's supposed to have happened in between this time. Forrest Whitaker's become this religious zealot, or at least, you know political zealot and she was left at 16 with nothing to show for it and then she ends up in jail so we're told all this stuff has happened or Diego Luna says that he's seen you know the horrors of war but we don't really know what that is and when Forrest Whitaker shows up her job is to literally gain access to him for information I'm honestly not sure why she says it's like an introduction well, yeah, you're damn skippy it's an introduction because we're introduced to this guy and then he disappears for the entire movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, let's uh, tackle a couple of the players in this film here. Uh, what did you think of Ben Mendelsohn playing the antagonist, if it were?
1: I think Ben Mendelsohn's super fun. If he had reprised his character from Girls, I think I would have had a lot of fun with this. But or, or just turned it into Animal Kingdom, I think it would have been great. He's he's restrained in a, and I think that's part of the problem. I would have liked a villain because we've seen the restrained English villain before in, in a lot of movies. Hell, we've seen that in the last Star Wars. You know, we had Donald Gleason, We had Adam Driver, these very interior actors who are very quiet and calculating, and, and you're supposed to be scared by how refined they are i'm kind of sick of that i want somebody who's gonna like go like hammy i i was kind of hoping that ben Mendelssohn was gonna do something different he's effectively just glowers a lot and Mm -hmm. kind of gives orders and he has one big scene with felicity jones that just ends again literally people live and die in this movie i am not kidding they are they are killed off with not even a bat of an eyelash. There's no time to whimper. There's no time to mourn their... There's no interest in mourning anybody's name. It's just characters die and other characters are like, oh, shit, I left my stuff over there. That sucks. And then <laughs> they just move on. I, it, life and death means nothing in this movie. So Ben Mendelssohn never really becomes a big bad, which is a problem that Disney has with a lot of their franchises. Look at Marvel. There's not a big bad other than tom hiddleston so when vader shows up he is a welcome relief because ben mendelsohn just kind of you know looks downcast and you're told he's evil but you never really feel that evil
0: yeah i know what you mean by that uh what did you think of k2so uh and his attempts at comic relief because quite honestly it did not work for me
1: 2dx kind of disney's new walt disney he he voices everything with them and i i love him as a person but i got a lot of vibes from the robot from interstellar in terms Uh. of that's kind of what i kept comparing him to they both have that weird dark gray metallic look very uh k2s is a bit more personable in that he's got a face but he just kind of looks like an early incarnation of the irobot from iRobot. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, but he's there to provide wit. Once, Much like all the other characters, you're not bonded to him. You like him. He's memorable because he's funny. But that doesn't make a good character. That just makes a, a little moment of levity.
0: And what did you think of Forrest Whitaker? Because here's my thing with Forrest Whitaker in this movie. I think Forrest Whitaker is smart enough to understand that his character is underwritten. And I think that he... <laughs>
1: I think he might be a little pissed that because I think people were saying you can tell in the trailers that he is effectively cut out of the movie.
0: Mm hmm. I, I mean, like he does this ridiculous voice uh, with this crazy accent, which I, I, I don't know what he's trying to do necessarily. I get it. This is science fiction. I understand that there's weird shit happening all the time, but with all these limbs that he has missing and this cane and this this um, uh, straight out of blue velvet uh, oxygen mask. Yeah. It's like, like, oh my God. It's like anything to give this character a, a memorable I was moment, like, essentially.
1: I was sitting here thinking, I want, it, I want this guy's story. I want to know how we got all of this. Because this seems infinitely more fascinating. Forest Whitaker has a bad bad year with accents between this and Arrival because his accent and Arrival is also undefinable and here I don't know if we were going for that he's supposed to be the stand in father figure if that's a good thing or a bad thing we know nothing about his character it's an introduction to a character that we don't really care about so when Jin gets really upset about things that have happened in the past the audience is just kind of thinking well I don't really know what happened. We didn't see it. She can complain about it. It just kind of looks like she's a whiner. So when he has this moment of redemption and clarity, I felt nothing. It just felt like the character was schizophrenic because his decisions for being touted as this like zealot and this mercenary and you're. I think they want you to believe that maybe like the uh, Alliance is also not as good, but they're far better than the Empire. The political issues in this movie are just they're not subtle but when when his character leaves the narrative you're just kind of like once again oh okay that's nice didn't really know it's like
0: it's like he can't he came he made an impression i or at least let me rephrase that he tried to make an impression and it's over um and getting back to uh backstory for a minute like diego luna also has a moment where he says to felicity jones character um jen he's like you don't know the things that I've done in my life. And it's like, yeah, you're right. We have no idea the things that you've done in your life. Um, you, we, you, you haven't told us. So when there's this moment where his character makes a very pivotal decision in the narrative and he chooses not to do something, we don't understand the motivations for those choices. And it makes absolutely no sense. It just seemingly comes out of nowhere.
1: The example that I used, and I got told I was biased because... I am, but it's a good example nonetheless. Look at Oscar Isaac's character in Force Awakens. We didn't need grand exposition about that character and his history to know what we needed to know about his character. With Diego Luna, I feel like we needed something because he's not a strong enough actor to convey the backstory and the personality. Part of it is he doesn't have a personality. His character is just meant to be like this gruff like war guy. That's very generic. But he's not able to, like Mads Mickelson does, take a part, take a bare bones character and give you through emotion and through line reading and through... Mm-hmm interactions with other characters, everything you would need to know about that character without having to tell us.
0: And for that reason alone, I say Ben Mendelsohn is best in show for actually giving his role some gravitas to it. I mean, he has that scene uh, with uh, Jen when she's younger, and I think it's probably the most effective scene in the entire movie, actually. I mean, without that scene, the whole movie would actually be completely lifeless because that is ultimately the life force of the film is the relationship between Jin and her father because uh, that relationship ultimately impacts all the decisions that Jin makes throughout the film. So if that scene doesn't work, it fails. And Mads Mikkelsen is very curious casting, but the guy has a tremendous amount of humanity in him. And you're right, you can tell in every single line reading that he has – um, he just perfectly conveys it here. So uh, uh, he he wins my best in show personally. Do you agree?
1: I, I could agree with that. I am I know we'll talk about it in the spoiler section, so I'm going to save my whole daddy issues rant for that because I don't want to spoil That's fine. anything. <laughs>
0: no problem. And I know um, I was talking uh, with Michael. I know you, you talked to him as well off air. Um, he really hates Donnie Yen in this movie. He oh, thinks God. he should be nominated for a Golden Raspberry. I don't personally think that. I don't think he's terrible in the movie, but I do think that he, too, suffers from his character not being explored enough um, because he's – let's just put it this way. He's a blind warrior who uses the force or of the force. Uh, We don't really know.
1: I I will will give the proper context for this character. He is the mystical cripple. That's essentially what he is, and I can say that. Because I am a disabled person. So, yeah, for, for me, Donnie Yen as an actor didn't bother me. I have none of his past work to use for context. But I thought he was fine. I thought his um, companion dude... I don't know if they were lovers or friends or something. The I Got a
0: big fucking gun. Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. Either way, I think it was an interesting story element. But I thought they were they had good chemistry. Um, but, yeah, he's... I am a huge hater of when we try to make disabled people mystical or otherworldly and they do it a lot with blind people that concept Mm. that they're like senses or heightened that they're like modern day Spider-Man because (laughs) apparently um, they believe that your other senses compensate is taken to like 11 so for me watching his character have a cane And then hold that like midair and start busting into a sprint. Doesn't even have to worry about what's in front of him. He's on a beach, man. You're lucky you didn't trip over like a gopher hole or something. (laughs) I mean, just watching his character as a disabled person. I'm not blind, but I'm disabled. I still was like, really? We're going to go down this road again? That he's His whole thing with the force is with me. Um, I know that The Force started out originally as, like, karma, and then it's slowly transmogrified to being, like, organized religion, and the movie effectively has a conversion scene at one point, but I had to look at my friend at a certain point and be like, so, using The Force, quote-unquote, helps him see, I'm assuming, that's how it's presented, somebody could tell me that that's not the intent, that's how it's presented, so if I th- say that The Force is with me and I get up and try to walk and I fall down, am I just not... Like, thinking hard enough? I don't know. But I hated that character trope so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I completely understand what you mean by that. And I can see also, too, how it could be irritating as well. So uh, it's definitely a lot of questionable choices in this movie for sure. Now, I know that we've spent a lot of time talking about things that we don't like in the movie i'm gonna actually save uh some positive thoughts for my final thoughts and grade uh so Kristen, let's pass it off to you first before we go into uh spoilers final thoughts on the film grade out of 10 and any oscar potential
1: i have this for visual effects and some sound text but that's about it um in terms of overall thoughts Star Wars fans are going to eat this up. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm just going to be called hater that I don't understand the franchise. I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, it looks beautiful. I I mean, yeah. Um, Greg
0: Frazier shoots the hell out of this movie, in my opinion.
1: um, The weird CGI resurrections of specific characters is weird as hell. But it's like morbidly fascinating to see. Um, And... Yeah, that's all I got. I can't try to lie and say I liked more than I did. Uh, But overall, I give this. I was a little bit higher in the first recording. This is take two, and I give no fucks. So I'm going to say four out of ten.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. I'm going to send a SWAT team to your house to protect you. (laughs) Just FYI. Uh, and as for me, uh, I am definitely higher on the film because, like I said, the last twenty minutes in the movie more of a makeup for uh, a lot of misgivings that I did have with the movie. And what can I say?, uh, my little inner uh, little inner fanboy uh, was ignited in those final twenty minutes. So a part of me did feel pretty damn good about how this seamlessly blends in with a new hope. Um, as far as uh, some other thoughts too and some positives I wanted to throw in here, I really, really appreciate the film for casting a very diverse cast. Um, this isn't a bunch of white dudes. This is a, a bunch of different people from different races coming together, and the lead is also a woman as well. So I really do appreciate uh, that take on the story here and that they went in that direction. I wish that they had given more character, but I appreciate the effort. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score, um, I haven't listened to it on its own. I'm sure that when you listen to it on its own, it's fine. But within the context of the movie, I really missed John Williams because I don't think that Giacchino uh, was able to reach the highs that Williams is able to consistently reach all the time with his work. So that was a little bit of a drawback for me. But like I said, I'm going to try and keep this in the positive column, because uh, ultimately my grade is uh, positive, and I will say that I thought the CGI was fascinating, even though I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, and we'll get into that in spoilers, and hmm, I will say this too, that if you're, you're right, if you're a fan of this series, <laughs> you've already made up your mind, hell, you've probably already seen the film in its first opening weekend, so doesn't matter what I say at this point. They've got your money. <laughs> and they're going to keep on getting it too. So with that said, I give Rogue One a 7 out of 10. I was leaning towards a 6 out of 10. But man, those final 20 minutes for me was just so so much fun. I, I, I had to. I just had to boost it a little bit. As far as Oscar potential goes, visual effects, sound. Uh, I'll say both sound categories for now. Sound editing and sound mixing. But yeah, nothing more than that. No production design, no makeup. None of that, in my opinion, because I think there are going to be quite a few people in the Academy that are not going to be as high on this as some of the fanboys out there. So we'll see. In any event, though, let's move over to our spoiler conversation surrounding Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And we're going to go over to that spoiler section right now in a galaxy far, far away. You want answers? I think I'm entitled You to. want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Okay, so spoilers for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. If you have not seen the movie, then by all means, GTFO. Uh, but at this point, I'm sure many of you have actually seen the film. So, Chris, I'm going to open it up to you first. Take off the gloves and let me know exactly what you think in regards to anything about Star Wars, Rogue One, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, whatever the hell we're calling it, Rogue One. Spoilers. Go.
1: I hated Felicity Jones's storyline. She is effectively the poor little girl seeking daddy's love. And this is a character that we're, again, told has been toughened. She's been in prison. She's grown up on her own. But she waffles like a freaking house of cards when her dad starts telling her like how proud he is. And... That wouldn't have necessarily killed me, even though we've seen the whole looking for acceptance from daddy storyline countless times with women in cinema. But when she's going to find the Death Star plans, which is this elaborate game like of the claw, essentially, she's <laughs> looking for a a code name. And it turns out, spoiler alert, guys, it's Stardust. What's Stardust? Not the movie that Matthew Vaughn made, no. Mm. It's his ter- her father's term of affection for her ah, barf okay you know what i guess princess was a little too on the nose peaches was taken what the hell we are in 2016 and this entire reason for her to steal the death star plans is so that she can connect with her long lost papa fuck you movie that's what i said the entire 20 minutes of this movie
0: I also agree with you, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, that when her mother does get killed by Ben Ben Mendelsohn, uh, she immediately is all about her father and doesn't really give a shit about her mother, which is, like, so weird um, that she's not, like, traumatized by this. And Ben Mendelsohn at least acts like he's, you know, upset by this, but she's all like, daddy, daddy, daddy. It it is really weird, to say the least. Um, Yeah, and let's talk about the cgi in this movie as well for a moment here and um, of course i'm referring to the resurrection of peter cushing and also um the de-aging of princess leia so that we can see the way that she looked in a new hope
1: i don't know how i feel about the implications of kind of resurrecting actors uh for me i thought for a second i guess this is terms of quality that Peter Cushing was alive for a second and I I just imagined he had been dead because it does look authentic in the second it's introduced. As things progress and the character starts moving and speaking, it becomes less convincing. There's a waxy pallor to Peter Cushing's look that's very odd. Um and he doesn't move a lot you know his hands stay very uh, in place you can see essentially that they're taking footage of a film and kind of adding di- additional dialogue to it uh, kind of like a, a move up from the dubbing of Forrest Gump it's very reminiscent of young Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy but the advantage for that and especially when you're De-aging older actors—it's very easy, much like Photoshop. I'm assuming—to have that actor in a mocap suit and just kind of smooth out the wrinkles. Uh, if you saw Ant Man, so they did the similar thing with Michael Douglas, kind of smooth out the wrinkles and just kind of clean them up a little bit. With uh, an actor who's deceased, you're creating out of whole cloth, so you have to take specific footage manipulate it so heavily to make it feel like that character's there. And it doesn't work 100%. The more they use Peter Cushing in this movie, the faker it looks. And that's a very troubling trend that I think we're going to debate a lot more as, as technology improves. I know Paul Newman actually wrote it in his will that they couldn't use his face after death. So it'll be interesting to see, if anything, the ethical implications of of this
0: film. Yeah, no, it's so weird. um, But it's fascinating, too, uh, to just see how far the technology has come, especially since the days of Final Fantasy, the spirits within the Polar Express. You know, when you see those early CGI days, I mean, even scenes like um, when Neo was fighting all the Smiths in The Matrix Reloaded or moments from The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. There's just so far that the technology has come and it just it, – it's incredible. And we've also seen it employed in other moments this year as well like Captain America Civil War where we saw a younger uh, Robert Downey Jr. So it's neat. It's interesting. I'm very curious to see where the technology goes in the future. But yeah, I'm, I'm also a little concerned about some of the moral implications uh, that it could mean for actors as well. So definitely stay tuned on this one. And then also I want to touch upon uh, the thing that's kind of obvious. But, I mean, I've talked to some people since they've seen the film and they tell me they didn't expect this. Everybody dies at the end of this movie. Everybody. Ben Mendelssohn, Felicity Jones, Diego Luna. Everybody. I thought
1: for a second you were going to turn into Gary Oldman in The Professional there.
0: Yeah, right? (laughs) Everyone! (laughs) That's
1: a better movie than the one we're talking about. Just throwing that out there.
0: (laughs) It it totally is. It's amazing. Um, So let me ask you, Kristen, going into this, did you know everyone was going to die?
1: Hell no. I thought this is Star Wars owned by Disney. Okay? The only people that die are the women. And their moms, okay? I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of it. So, no, I did not expect everybody to die. Uh, I had a friend who was kind of deciding, we were discussing, he thought that maybe we were going to get references to the characters from the new trilogy. You know, maybe, like, somebody's granddad or something. Um, and thankfully, they don't do that. Um, but... I didn't expect it to be, and I think that's part of the problem as well, a very grimdark type of DC movie, almost, where it's very grim, and again, it's why you need characters who are so compelling, because the fact that everybody dies at the end of this movie should be a very somber thing, you know, a what-cost-glory type of moment. And everybody yep. dies at the end of this movie. And we're more shocked that Disney had the balls to pull to do it. Not that the characters died because they're not memorable.
0: We don't even get a moment where Jin's on the beach and she, like, whispers in someone's ear and says, Earn this. We don't even get that moment.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, like, waiting for her to, like, you know, like, have, like, a platoon moment. And, like, drop down to her knees and like, a single tear or something. <laughs> um, but no, she has, like, this this hug almost kiss thing with Diego Luna and again I'm just like telling the movie to go fuck itself um and it effectively ends I kept thinking I was all are they just gonna steal the the giant tidal wave from deep impact no they don't but it's kind of a similar moment um, it would
0: have been amazing if they had done that <laughs>
1: again helping the movie think of better things than what it did
0: i agree i I felt like uh, after i watched this movie i was nitpicking pretty damn hard at a lot of things and kept saying i know how to make this better i know how to make this better i don't give a shit if you think you're copying saving private ryan saving private ryan is the greatest example of a war film that had a bunch of different characters that when they started getting picked off one by one you actually cared Uh, There's that one scene with Giovanna Risby where he's crying out for his mother as he's bleeding out in the film. Spoiler alert, but this is a spoiler section. And it is harrowing. And it actually means something.
1: And it's not like Disney doesn't enjoy stealing from itself. If you saw Moana, they cannibalized themselves for that entire movie. So it also has Alan Tudyk in it. So it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, I'm pretty much exhausted here in terms of talking about this movie at this point. Do you have any other things you wish to touch upon, Kristen? Um, This is going on my worst of the year list, so... Oh, no. Are you serious? It is,
1: yeah. I, I finalized... Wait a minute.
0: You gave it a 4 out of 10. What about the movies you rate a 1 out of 10?
1: This is like going in, like, the 10 spot. So oh, it's not okay. going high on the list, but it's got to be on my, my 10. It, it is.
0: Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah, I'm so I, sorry. I
1: did not like this. Again... You know, I don't blindly consume Star Wars stuff. I did enjoy Force Awakens, though. Force Awakens is actually on while I'm recording this. I'm looking at it right now. And it's an enjoyable popcorn film. And this, if this is Disney's attempt to be gritty and dark, it ain't working. And this is coming from a studio that is known for being sad. I mean, it should have had a lot more pathos than what it got. But... I don't know, maybe this will inspire Kathleen Kennedy to take a chance on a woman director. Right? Probably not, mm. but it's a nice thought.
0: I mean, could you imagine if Ava DuVernay directed a Star Wars film? Oh my oh god, my David
1: Oyelowo would have like given a big speech before they stole the Death Star plans, and we'd have been like, <laughs> yeah, steal them, this is amazing!
0: And he still would not have gotten nominated for an Oscar.
1: Well, of course not, you want to see pigs fly? I mean, come on, we can't have everything,
0: Matt. <laughs> no, we absolutely can't. All right. Well, with that said, thank you so much for listening to our discussion on Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Kristen, where can I find you on the internet?
1: You can find me at Twitter at journeys dot com. If you want to send me emails about how I didn't get it, you can send those to me at sorry at gmail dot com.
0: And I am Matt at nextbestpicture.com. For the reminder, I did give this movie a 7 out of 10, which I hope <laughs> is respectable enough to you people that you don't threaten me and you also don't try to come and find me. With that said, <laughs> be sure to check out our full written view, review of this on nextbestpicture.com and also to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, and Player FM Radio for the next best picture podcast thank you so much for listening everybody and we will see you all next time coming up on
1: five minute news i'm anthony davis